Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. The Houndsman XP podcast is fueled by Joy Dog Food. Joy Dog Food has a rich tradition of supporting the Houndsman of America. Founded in 1945, Joy is proud of its history and the relationship it has built with the American Houndsman. And in 76 years, there's never been a recall. Made with 100% American-made high-quality ingredients, Joy Dog Food has one of the highest calorie-dense formulas on the market. For 76 years, this made-in-America product has kept hunting dogs in the field day after day, season after season. And when we say made-in-America, Joy has a long track record of fighting for American freedoms by being on the front lines against the animal rights movement and their extremist tactics. Joy will fuel your hounds and fight for your freedoms, fueled by Joy. is the Houndsman XP Podcast. Good dog, get that bear. Get that bear in here. The original podcast for the complete Houndsman. The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Get up there! Yeah! 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 Good boy! Good boy, Ranger! Uniting houndsmen across the globe from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, you know, you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. Yeah, so how many, day, how many days a week can you spend on As much as I can, to be honest with you. Anytime that I get, I'm, I'm out there. Join us for every heart-pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll tell you like I tell everyone else, I'm going to hunt whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here. It is time for a point blank. It has been a while since we've had the wacky crew from Houndsman XP together to talk about all kinds of random stuff, recap episodes, and just tell some off-the-wall stories. We're going to talk about uh, hunting season recap, our recent travels, some of the some of the content that Seth has been creating over on Patreon. We're going to talk about what the highlight of our past hunting seasons were. It's all in here, folks. You're going to enjoy it. It's super laid back. Grab your favorite beverage and tune in. Stick with us to the end on this one. The Old South Dog Box can barely contain this wild pack. 
It's time to get the tailgate down and dump the box. Whoopie All right. So, yeah. Yeah. No way. No way. Hey, we are on Houndsman XP podcast, and we've got a point blank going on. Holy cow. We got, <laughs> you already heard Lauren laughing. Yeah. Because we always have the best conversation before we hit the recorder. Um, best or worst. It's, it's totally up for judgment. <laughs> Well, we sure sometimes we can't re, we can't air what we say before or after the podcast. That's for sure. Hey, and everybody, Seth. it's going great. How's it going, it's good Seth? to be back. Uh, I love these point blanks. It's good to good to good to see you guys and, and good to be here right now. You bet. You the bet. only we thing got... I like about what I'm seeing right now is your beard. The rest of it, I don't know. <laughs> you, still got, you still got the. I do. Going it's, on. All the lights are turned off, but uh, my Joshua trees are doing great. I'm about to repot them into two gallon pots. Um, yeah, people, you can. I'm gonna plant gonna them do in my them? yard. Um, Joshua trees are are a yucca, right? So there's several species of yucca, and yuccas are um, very dependent on their pollinators. And the pollinator for Joshua trees can't survive in the Chihuahuan Desert where I live. And so Joshua trees can survive here, but their pollinator cannot. So if you transplant these Joshua trees here in the Chihuahuan Desert, they will survive. I'm going to plant some in my yard. I will be the only person that I'm aware of in my entire zip code that will have Joshua trees. And I really hope that they get big. It's a 20-year project, right? But I'm really excited. Are you going to try like pollinating them yourself like put little bee wings on or hummingbird or whatever is no the i don't really need to because uh <laughs> they will th their their rad factor is just in their presence right i don't really need their flowers or anything they they will flower their flowers just won't mm -hmm. be pollinated so they won't produce any viable seeds but they'll still look so you're you're okay you're okay with asexual I am. Joshua I'm going to deprive basically. them, make them incredibly desperate. But I, I also have some night-blooming cereus back here, which are a critically endangered cactus in the Chihuahuan Desert. So obviously they're just rad. They produce one flower one night a year, and it's about 10 inches across, and it smells incredibly strong of vanilla. And one night, it'll start, it'll open right at dark, and then by about 8 o'clock the next morning, it's already closed and dying. Pretty amazing. So anyway, that, so you gotta go. Yeah. And it's like a special pictures. thing. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of a woo woo hippie thing. I'm aware, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty pumped. I, Speaking of woo woo hippie, have you, have you ever heard the, you, have you ever listened to the YouTube album, Joshua tree? I, Joshua I need tree to album? everyone, man, you need to look that okay, up. I will. Spotify. Cause everyone talks about it when we're at Joshua tree, which is pretty sweet, but I still haven't. I listen mostly to like yeah. electronic music hilariously, but anyway, yeah. So desert plants rock and yeah. <laughs> Lauren's been listening to music lately. Have I? Yeah. You learned you how to like listen. A, you, like learned a... how to, you learned how to listen to the ballad of dude and, Juanita. Juanita. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about Sturgill Simpson and I'm like, oh yeah, I've listened to him. Like, you know, and you're like, no, but have you listened to him? Like, you've got to listen to that album from like beginning to end in that sequence. And I had, I like usually always have my, my music on shuffle. And then one day I decided to listen to the wise words of Chris Powell <laughs> and play, far between and yeah and play the album from front to back you didn't have to agree 
<laughs> uh, and played the album from front to back. And it hits hard, guys. <laughs> it hits hard. And I, I honestly, I'm not a very, like, emotional as far as, like, sad, crying, like, normal woman, I guess. I don't like chocolate, all that stuff. Um, but there's two songs that just got me balling. And not B-A-L-L-I-N. B A L L I N. Oh, oh. <laughs> like worse, like in and not B A W L I N, like a coon dog, but just crying. Um, but I have two females in heat right now, and I think all the hormones <laughs> are just raging. Yeah, in you're this like household. you're like abs. <laughs> you're like I'm not a normal woman, yeah. but here I am bawling. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Bawling, <laughs> bawling to a sound song about a oh. dead dog, just. Old yeah. dude. Yeah. Well, and Sam. Yep. Sam. Yeah, Sam. Yeah. Sam. Well, dude cried too. <laughs> yeah. But, yep. you know, it just like, I haven't really lost a dog that has meant a lot to me yet. Um, I haven't lost. So it just, it's going to be hard when that happens. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I got a question. I got a question. Anyway. I got a question for the team <laughs> here. It, it, it dawned on me today. I'm going to ask you to. All right. So we're having our, we having a, like a midterm review, if you will, for the site I work at. And basically NSF comes and like looks at all our studies and blah, blah, blah. And I had to update my science, like my profile picture for the, the research unit I work at. And my buddy like took the picture of me up close for the portrait. And like, when was the last time when when was the first time you looked in the mirror and you were just like damn i'm ugly like when, when did that moment happen because like i saw that portrait and i used to love getting my picture taken when i was like 22 to 25 and like i just looked at my picture and i was like man what happened <laughs> and so i'm just like what age what when did that happen i don't know but well, this week it's been every day for me. So, <laughs> yeah, I would say but, like thirty, maybe. Right, I don't. What? Where is this conversation? What? Where? How? Because I'm looking at topic? myself in a webcam right now. <laughs> <I'll> t- <laughs> it, yeah. Yeah. It, it, at fifty three, a- at fifty three, I'm living my best days. <laughs> you look great. You had you've had a real glow up ever since you worked <laughs> for Houndsman XP. <laughs> I think that's what the young people are saying. Yeah. No doubt. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. I think I had a glow down with my stress level that it has been since I started owning. You had a dimming. (laughs) Yeah. Definite dimming. Yeah. I think I need to go schedule some like facial peels and Botox and all that stuff. What the hell are we talking about? (laughs) Let's get off. Let's get off of this subject right now and move on. We're doing a point blank and we're going to review some old episodes we're going to, but the first thing I want to talk about is the Go Wild app. Um, man, we, we launched that. I guess that's going to be part of one of the old episodes, and we'll just roll off into some side topics on that because I've got some thoughts on it. But uh, we launched that um, episode with Brad Luttrell, and then boom, man, the, the hound community over there, they actually sent me a message. And then Brad Luttrell posted on Go Wild that, that uh, he's seeing his more success since he, you know, with people migrating to go wild after that episode than uh, he's ever seen on any ep- on any podcast he's ever done. And they have a podcast. And they also, um, 
I mean, Brad Luttrell is, he speaks at the shot show and, you know, some places like that. So that's a, that's a pretty cool thing that houndsmen are eating that up. Heck yeah. I mean, it, it just, yeah. Thank you. Houndsman XP world. And also it, it goes to show that there's a lot more people listening to hound hunting content than, than you would think, which is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, so I joined and it was a definite like learning curve because it's not like any social media that you've ever had before, kind of. Um, it's actually more cool, I think. Once you get used to it, yeah. it's more cool because when you post, then you earn rewards. I've already used my rewards to, uh, I bought a, a Vortex Red Dot for for um, uh, one of my pistols off there a, with a. I got a sticker. <laughs> yeah, I got some stickers too, but the first major purpose I got purchase I got from my rewards was um that Vortex Optics red dot and um uh, it's really cool um and it was cool to you go there, you interact, you get discount codes and go wild is out there looking for deals like Brad talked about in the podcast for us gear that we're going to use anyway and if you go in that store and you look around you look at shop there's a lot of the gear huh it's good stuff it's quality stuff yeah it's not junk it's not junk it's like there isn't as much hound stuff there is what i would like to see but they do have a lot of garmin stuff and and things like that but we'll try to get some we'll try to be an influencer on go wild and and uh, point them in that direction of yeah. some of that relevant stuff. I actually had a conversation with myself today, <laughs> go figure, that I was going to use my rewards to buy some turkey hunting stuff on there because yeah. that's something that I'm going to be doing. Yeah. Some of the weird nuances, though, are um, that's different is like posting trophies, you know, when you post trophies on there when you post bear, there's no, it gives you, you post that you are going to post a trophy picture of a bear. And then the next, it runs you through a series of things and you select your method. Well, a lot of times the bears that we have pictures of, we didn't, we didn't take them at all. So, you know, I just figured I was carrying a handgun. Well, did you know, and I've actually messaged Brad a couple suggestions already (laughs) that he, he was asking for suggestions and you can offer suggestions for that. So we like, even though you can claim a trophy, even though we treat and freed it, maybe in the future we can have a set instead of method of take be rifle or bow or whatever, it can be tree and free hounds or what, right. however it can be worded. Yeah. I, that was my thought exactly. And, and I was actually going to con. Did you send that to Brad? Not yet. I sent him, I sent him two other, um suggestions about like tagging the lifestyle of houndsmen because sometimes dog life will come up like automatically and you have to like purposely change it Hmm. and we lost lauren goodbye lauren (laughs) well we'll come back to go wild when lauren figures out what happened to her connection are you back and and then tagging people after the fact well you you didn't even skip a beat no not no (laughs) doubt you completely <laughs> dropped out of this thing and then you came back. So, um, I'm very, very sneaky. Yeah. What'd you, <laughs> what'd you say? You said something about tagging people after the fact. Yeah. Tagging people after the fact, like, let's say you make a post. Like I tried to tag you in a post after the fact I had written it. I'm like, Oh shoot, I should take Chris in it. 
and I couldn't like actually tag you, like make it blue. Mm-hmm. Hmm. When you're going into like edit post. Oh, I got creation. you. So, mm-hmm. Huh. I'm going to try something here real quick. I'm going to see if I can see what you're talking about. So, what are, what like are if you guys like as houndsmen, the, the, we're we're building our audience there and we're building our um platform or you know how we're interacting with it so if you guys have suggestions make sure you send them a message because the more integrated it is for our lifestyle the more we can grow and communicate and network i'm gonna build that positive image yeah the tree and free thing is a great idea holy smokes that is one thing. I guess I can hold stuff. It's not the same. I'd like to be able to see them up there. Okay, so I just edited one of my posts, Lauren, and it let me uh, put you in blue there, but I don't know that it that you actually got the tag. Right. Yeah, like when I went to edit, it put you in blue, but then when like I saved it, I see it, it didn't. Yep, I got you. Yeah. I'm with you now. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah, that's so. And don't I ha- think that anything is set in stone, guys. If mm-hmm. you want to make changes, suggest it. And that's a cool thing about these guys. I've had co- a couple conversations with them this week, and uh, they're humble. They're they're super humble dudes. Brad Latrell, you know, when he told me in the podcast, he's like, "I'm the totally unqualified to be the CEO of this company." You know, he, he, that that made me laugh, but it but it also made me realize that that uh, you know he's willing to take take suggestions and and things from the public. So that's how you develop a brand, right there. Absolutely. I mean, yep. Yeah. I wish. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> Tech sector is is such a rewarding and daunting thing to build on. That's. Yeah, for sure. Being humble is, is good. <laughs> yeah. No, we cannot hear Ridge in the background, Lauren. Okay. Well, now I'm unmuted. But when I asked that question, I was muted. Yeah. But no, he, we haven't, uh, I haven't heard him. It has been the worst spring that I have ever had, having male and female dogs here. Holy moly. <laughs> Can't do I, that. If you want to keep them like we do, you can't keep them. Can't do that. <laughs> I, like I am trying to come up with a plan to build a kennel, like on the back of this eighty acres, so he can just <laughs> live his life out back there. Just take your dog's time. retreat tie out back there and go back and visit him once in a while. <laughs> you think yeah. he'd get eaten by wolves, dude? <laughs> well, you know, there's wolves not even ten miles away from my house, so you never know. Then you got wolves there. If you got them 10 miles yeah. away, you've got them. They've got to be traveling through that place. Don't you mm, think? No problem. No, I think they're they're sticking to the marsh. Um, <clears throat> I I don't think they're on this, this section. I mean, my section is like six miles by two miles and uh, just tons of deer and coyotes, coyotes everywhere. So if there's coyotes, there's not wolves. And if there's wolves, there's not coyotes, right? Usually. Uh, no? I mean... Coyotes and wolves lived together for a long time before we, we yeah. were around. <laughs> yeah. But coyotes yeah, are just more I, nervous. I know what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Coyotes are a lot more nervous when there's wolves around. That's for sure. But a, a there's like mine, a, who, there's got to be like a hundred deer on this section just that I'm on. 
easily. Well, then you probably don't have wolves, but I would think that you'd have some exploring out occasionally and yeah, transient males. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You know, I couldn't, I was shocked every time I go to North Texas, I'm just shocked at the density of deer and pigs. Like I, I just cannot believe how many hoofed mammals can survive in a small area. It's, it's just crazy. And where do they go? You know, in the daytime, it's just nothing but wheat fields endlessly. And then these like incredibly thick areas of brush, but they're not that thick and wide. They're quite narrow. And at night you just drive through there with your thermal and you can just see, I mean, just dozens of deer in every single field, pigs everywhere. It is incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. I want to talk to you about that North Texas trip on this uh, point blank too, Seth, because you had a big time, but, but I want to get back to go wild real quick. And tell people that Houndsman, if you're not looking at Go Wild, you really need to go check it out. You can find them in the App Store and uh, download the app. You can go to uh, their website, which is Time to Go Wild, and download and create an account there. So you can do it off of your uh, computer or you can do it off your mobile device. But seriously, I mean, it's gaining a lot of traction over there. And uh, they're happy to have us over there. And we don't have to worry about all the weirdness on social media and Instagram. You can say what you want and you can post what you want. And grip and grins, you know, if you, whatever, you know, if I got a bloody raccoon, I could put a bloody raccoon up. I, I don't. I, just... I know, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm wondering about that. So I, I, w- I think we still need to be classy. We still need to be... Mm-hmm. You know, just because we're in an uncensored platform doesn't mean that pe- other people can't come there and find our stuff Lurkers, and use it yeah. against like, us. Like we know when we're looking at it, if it's happening, if it's unsavory, and we're and you know, oh, we should probably stop this. Like this isn't good. Like I don't want this to happen. Well, I saw, I saw, I've seen a couple, I've seen a couple posts, and I hadn't noticed them before. Uh, with the coon dog puppies and the coon and the raccoon in a cage. And I'm just like, dude, I got a freaking, I've got a freaking boxer here that will, would wear that coon out in a cage. We're not really proving anything by yeah. showing a dog barking. Uh, you can, you can probably go down right. the road, go down the road and drop it in your neighbor's yard and their shit eater would come out and bark at it. So we're real, <laughs> we're, we're not really, it, it proves no purpose to put that yeah. out there, but the optics on it are horrible. Yeah. I, so yeah. I still think we need to be very, very, um, very aware that just because it's uncensored and you're not going to have that stuff taken down, we still don't need to be just well, laying it out there. I mean, it's like, it's like, it's-, it's like walking through an ISIS village and just leaving rifles laying around and then hoping they don't pick them up and use them against you. <laughs> you know, well, they are going good. to do it. And you still have to just hold yourself to that ethical standard, which is what I try and do. Um, and if you do that first, when you're handling your dogs and when you're hunting, then you really won't have to think about what you're posting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Yeah, and I really like what Brad said. Uh, you know, about social media and about creating that story, you know, just think how it, how much more depth you would have to your story. And I'm talking about your whole life story as a houndsman. If you can show, you know, like 
this little terrace that I've got here, this Yog Terrier, show those steps of development, show your interaction with him, show all of that stuff. And, Culminate. you know, you build all that up. And then when you do, he when he finally does get in on his first raccoon, there's a story to go with it, not just, you know, I've been training, training Krieger since he was a puppy and he got his first coon tonight and I'm a bloodthirsty killer. And that's really all I care about sharing with you. Yeah. So like I posted a trophy, um, a picture of the night that I got that almost 27 pound raccoon, which I'm not sure if that's the biggest raccoon I've ever gotten before, but it was the first biggest one I've ever weighed. And, um, but I told the whole story of that night, like leading out from like the dogs dumping out of the box to walking back to the truck. So just telling that story and like everything we went through, like I didn't even think we were going to get a raccoon that night. And well, like if you go to your, if you go to your profile though, Lauren on Instagram or on Facebook, there's very few, you're, it's loaded with lifestyle interactions with your hounds all the way through it. You know, everything from running the dogs on the four wheeler to I don't know what all you do with those putting them on the hay bales. Oh and... yeah, yeah. So you know, there's more to your story than just here's Lauren Branny with a tailgate full of raccoons, which is cool. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying there's a thing wrong with that, but but there. What's the word I'm looking for here? There, there's more. There's yeah. more meat on the bone than just than just more nuance. Yeah. We're not just killers. Right. Right. Trust yep. me, there's a lot more to Lauren's story than just raccoons on the tailgate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Sometimes that just seems what it is. I'm, I'm just some <laughs> hick from Dodge County. Yeah, <laughs> laying laying them up. Yeah. So Seth, you've been doing some traveling, man. I want to talk about that trip you took. Uh, first, your first experience with hog hunting with dogs. Yeah, what? man. Go for uh, it. Oh, you, all right. Well, you made a couple tailgate talks about it, right? I I did, I did, and so yeah. um, they were a trip. They were recaps of the trip. Uh, and so the patrons have had first, first go at this when it was raw on my mind still, but yeah, I, uh, I went to North Texas. I've been there several times, I've both for work and for play. And, uh, I have a really close family friend that lives there in Wichita falls and, uh, Michael Sula, he's been a frequent guest on the Patreon tailgate talks and uh, he's just an all around great guy. I met him through the show. Uh, so I love when fans reach out, uh, quick quick tangent i've met lots of new mexico houndsmen through this show reaching out to me i, I love to meet my fellow new mexicans and so guys if, if you're around i'm gonna put some stuff together but back to texas so um <clears throat> my friend michael's been hunting with a gentleman named dean ross and uh he was like yeah come on down let's hunt and and dean he just hunts in a, in a whole new way kind of with the modern with the with the garmin which has kind of changed everything how we houndsmen utilize our dogs he's he's kind of breeding this dog that is kind of a all-in-one for his area and and i love dean he was really knowledgeable he was incredibly nuanced um he was very well spoken which i i mean i really like to hear when someone has a really fresh idea and they can articulate it well he just he brings these massive powerful running dogs they look like a huge coursing dog that can not only go out and catch a pig, but they can also trail a pig and get a pig held for you. Like a running catch dog is kind of what he called them, a finder yeah. holder. Mm -hmm. And so 
what blew me away more than anything in this trip, and I'm just going to say this boldly and right now into the world, Dean Ross has the best trained dogs I've ever been around in my entire life, bar none. Like, I couldn't believe how well-behaved, well-trained they were. We we backed up to his pins. He unloaded some, just said, get up. He, they just rode on this flatbed of his pickup all day. We went, had dinner in the middle of downtown, cats running everywhere. They just stood on that truck. They never left. We drove around. We got some gas. We did all our stuff. They just ride up there perfectly. We drove by hundreds of deer. Nothing. Havelina, no problem. Soon as they see a pig, he goes out. He slows the truck down. As soon as it comes to a stop, he just makes like a little kissing noise, like a... And they just take off, off into the field and they catch this like 190 pound boar. And okay, like it's amazing to watch something so powerful be controlled by these dogs. Tough is like 135 pounds. Gideon was like 140 pounds. These are massive dogs, like 30 inches at the shoulder. Yeah, they're incredible. And they just cleared this barbed wire fence like it's nothing. It was unbelievable to watch these massive dogs just jump a giant fence like that and take off into this field and catch this pig in a race. So I'm all pumped. We're coming up. They have this pig under control. I've been around wild hogs a bunch. They're super intimidating animals. And uh, those dogs had that pig completely under control. I wasn't worried at all. I felt perfectly safe coming up on that pig. And Dean was like, hey, what do you want to do? I was like, honestly, like, I want to see you catch this thing alive. And so he did. He like flipped it and hog tied it right there in front of me. It was amazing. And honestly, a feat of strength. Like a pig is super powerful animal. So it was amazing. He tied it and we um we brought it back alive and, and he so we sell it to these hog buyers. And in Texas, there's an industry to sell these wild hogs. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's pretty incredible the whole infrastructure built around this animal. I I didn't know any of this stuff. Invasive beforehand. animal. <clears throat> right and so like the small ones and the sows are sold as food and these big boars are sold to like trophy outfits to for hunting so dean makes all he makes a great side money catching pigs and he also feeds his dogs with these pigs so he has like no dog food bill which i was man i need to hunt something more substantial than a jackrabbit <laughs> my dogs eat that thing in like five seconds <laughs> That's but extreme anyway, performance, man. I was that what, what the, I the story you just told. Yeah, and I mean, what what Dean? What I loved about him is again, he was humble to a fault. He was confident in his animals, but he was just super humble. And he was like, "I'm going to hunt my dogs in three ways tonight to to show you what I'm really working towards and what this foundation I'm trying to build." He wants dogs that will ride on the truck and do what he calls crop hunting, where they'll just like chase a pig down in a crop and catch it. And then he wants them to do where sometimes the pigs like because we're hunting in a full moon. So we're seeing them out there in the full moonlight. So you got to have good eyesight to do this kind of hunting. But the pigs are way out there in this field. You can see them black specks out there. He wants sometimes they just run into the brush as soon as they see a pickup running or hear a pickup. They just take off into the bushes. Mm -hmm. So he wants a dog that he can lead out there. They'll pick up the scent of the pig, take off into the woods and catch one. And then he also wants a dog that he can just walk through the areas that pigs are and just go out and hunt and find one and catch it. So, so the first he's night, looking for trail dogs, free cast dogs and running catch dogs all on the same. Exactly. Dog. Exactly. He wants Amazing. one dog that'll do it all. And he wants a dog that doesn't, um, well, he, he knows that within the olden days, this wouldn't work because like they don't bark. So they caught a pig 900 yards away from us. And we had no idea except you look at the garment and you're like, Whoa, they're caught because they're right together and yeah. they're not moving. 
So they have one caught. And so <clears throat> running through the brush at, at the Texas brush at night with your headlamps through like pig infested woods at 900 yards of that was pretty intense. I mean, I was getting slashed to ribbons running through there. It was crazy. <laughs> it was so fun though. And Oh, I was so impressed because we were just walking and those big old huge, <clears throat> this is what blew me away when we're walking out. So, so we, we free cast those dogs and we were just hunting in this bottom and the, and they are just walking with him. So calm hunting, like a really around us, like a bird dog, almost they pick up the scent. They take off into the woods. Boom. They go off and we're just watching the Garmin and yeah, 900 yards out. They pull a pig up. They catch one. We run to him. We dispatch the hog with a, with a boar sword, like a 14 inch knife, which is unbelievably effective. It is uh -huh. like super quick. I was amazed. And it's amazing. Anyway. So then we bring the dogs. They just go out another, they, they walk with us like five minutes. They catch another one, 500 yards away. And I was just like, wow, this is incredible. Yeah. And so then we go back to the truck we drive some more and then we intentionally scare the pigs into the brush and then we get the dogs out and walk them out there, which was amazing because it's think picture this with me, everybody. It's a full moon, beautiful night. And you just saw the pigs run into the brush. You're hyped up from all that action. Like an hour ago, it looked like Dean was leading two lions with him because they're so big and athletic and powerful as he's walking in front of me. Like in the moonlight, there's just these two 30 inch dogs like walking right at him with heel. And then he just walks up to where the pigs were and just says, go, go, go hunt. And they just go catch one. They go into the woods and reel them in in like 10 minutes. It was amazing. I, I'm still. Did you get you any, can hear how pumped I am? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Did you record anything with Dean? I did. I recorded tons of stuff, guys. It's on the Patreon page. So go check it out if you're yeah. that's what the. That's what the Patreon page is for. Um, a lot of this stuff. I got pictures of Dean catching one alive. A big, rowdy, am, powerful boar. I am just jaw awesome. dropped right now about like just the whole <laughs> thing you just said, like from how well these dogs are trained to how the, the different ways that they hunt to like, are you not scared that you're going to accidentally get a dog with this 14 inch sword? Like... <laughs> No, not at all. And that's the thing that Dean stressed is how big and powerful these dogs are. They control the pig. He was telling yeah. me all this before we went hunting and he is 100% serious. Like a, a little, like a 50 pound pit bull getting up on a pig and catching it, it. It's center of gravity is below the pig's head is how he's explaining it to me. And since these dogs are so huge, they are controlling the pig from above. And so uh, he's right. I mean, there was no they had him locked and he was immobile. And the coolest part of this was that when he had the pig caught and he had the pig down and he had the rope getting ready to catch the pig alive, all he had to do was just be like off, let go, let go. And just kind of pat him on the head. They just let go and calm down immediately, which I was just like, totally caps, totally capped the drive. Can I just at that point, can I just yes. send my dogs to boot camp there? I mean, like just <laughs> right? for the train, just right? for the training. Yeah. And that's what unbelievable. He's like, I don't, I don't reward them until they've deescalated. And I was just like, I have it all on video. So patrons check it out. I mean, you can just see it for yourself. As soon as they let go, they just calm down. And the one just sit down behind him, just sitting there. I was just like, as he's like tying up this pig, I was like, Oh my gosh, this guy's a wizard. This is amazing. So I was just blown away. The whole experience was perfect. And that is some of the best hound work I've ever seen. And, and the pig uh, is probably I'm, still screaming through this whole thing. Like it's making noises. No, like 
Well, no? it's grunting. It's just grunting okay. and just like shifting its weight. You know what I mean? Okay. Like it was, it was crazy. Um, also, they're like a grizzly bear. Man, those things are super powerful, right? Like, oh yeah. If you've man, ever I make, a, if you've ever grabbed oh, a wild yeah. hog, then you you realize how how powerful they actually are. I'm wondering oh, about. Gosh. I'm wondering about because I've seen. Well, the last trip down to Louisiana, I watched a hundred and fifteen pound dogo get get tossed by a 250 pound boar like it was a rag doll and then mike collie's honey dog is she's probably 80 pounds and she's a rock i mean she's solid rock and this 250 pound boar was moving them That's around in different directions so um i i would like to i i want to make a pit stop at dean's and see these dogs work you've got my you've got my attention they had when and i thought the same thing and of course the pig is moving right the pig is like walking around but yeah. at one point we ca we caught one that was about 220 because we weighed them all because we caught uh -huh. all the boars alive we caught one that was 220 and the dogs had it down on its knees like they just shoved it down and it was just down on its like forearms just on the, with its butt up in the air and so i was he, like is he teaching his dogs brazilian jiu-jitsu and i know i know <laughs> i was just like what and Gideon, his biggest, like most powerful dog, he's like 145 pounds. He is so athletic, it's unbelievable. Like, I mean, do they just have a like barbed wire fence? They're like Irish oh, wolfhound type stuff. They got some Irish yeah, so wolfhound now. Yeah, they do. They have um they have coursing dog in them. So they have big coyote dog in them, Irish wolfhound, uh bull terrier, um, Rhodesian ridgeback. Um, a, just a splash of pit. He he doesn't really prefer pit. He prefers bull terriers more. Mm. Um, so yeah, they, the Great Dane. I mean, they're a lot. I mean, they're a true American boarhound. If you catch my drift, they're just a mixture of a lot of stuff that he is breeding to just try to make this all around finder holder. And guys, I mean, I don't know if it's not obvious, but I was thoroughly impressed. Like that is that and was is amazing. Is he kind of like the originator of this? style of breeding <clears throat> no no this is like a really um common way to hunt in australia actually and so australians hunt like this quite often he's took a lot of inspiration from australians and uh he's kind of just breeding what works for him you know i i asked him very thoroughly i mean i'm a i'm an interviewer i right. asked him a lot of tough tough questions and i asked him i said where would these dogs not excel and and he says maybe in a place where there's not so many pigs because a hound has a much colder nose, could pick up a pig trail and push it farther and have that determination to hunt out miles. I mean, mm -hmm. they caught one at 900 yards. That's pretty impressive. But again, there was pigs everywhere out there. They, so, they may have caught the yeah. hog at 900 yards, but they probably trailed him, you know, maybe they, from where you were at, I think you said you put them right on the on the track at that point. <clears throat> the second time we did, the first mm -hmm. time we were just free casting them in the woods, just like walking around, which and that's what was. Really so okay, here's here's the big thing about free casting. Describe what you meant mean by free casting, because coon hunters we were just completely completely different. Oh, okay, yeah. So we were just walking around, and they were just walking with us, sniffing and moving around, kind of like a bird dog would. Okay, and then yeah, they picked up the scent of a pig and just took off like tore off like into how the night. calvin will free cast his dogs his dogs will stay like relatively mm -hmm. close yeah and yeah. if i free cast my dogs it's a totally different story <laughs> right exactly me too um well and i was actually walking outside yesterday thinking about free casting because i was thinking about my time in colorado and 
how I precast my dogs here and how they had to adapt to a totally different hunting style in Colorado. And then how they have to adapt to a different hunting style, hunting off baits, running bear in Wisconsin. I'm like, huh? Yeah. They kind of have to learn to hunt different ways in different places for different things. Briar Creek Kennels is your complete hound hunting outfitter, boots, lights, collars, and tracking equipment, dog boxes, kennel supplies, collars, clothes, squalors, Woo! They have it all. Briar Creek Kennel is a garment and dog tree dealer. Owner Chris Girth will ensure Briar Creek Kennel customers will get top of the industry customer service. Whether you purchase from their website or you find them at a major coonhound event, Chris and his staff will share expert knowledge and experience about every product they offer. Chris Girth is a top competitor and breeder of hounds. He knows what gear you need to be successful. Look for Briar Creek Kennels on the web for a complete online store or look at their fully stocked trailer at any major coonhound event. Briar Creek Kennels, offering a hound hunting public generations of excellence. Houndsman XP is very proud of our partnership with the organization Freedom Hunters. Freedom Hunters is a nonprofit organization that takes America's veterans hunting from field to field, from the battlefield to a field near you when you volunteer your time to take America's warriors hunting with you and your hounds. It's easy. Go to houndsmanxp.com, click on the partnership tab, and it will take you to Freedom Hunters. You can go direct to their website to make donations at freedomhunters.org. Support America's heroes. Let's pay it back. Visit Freedom Hunters at freedomhunters.org or go to houndsmanxp.com and you can find them on our website from field to field. Yeah, so you take you take the guys that Josh is talking talking to on the truth, and you talk about free casting dogs, and you're talking about turning a hound loose that you don't see again until they've struck a coon and they've got it treed. You know, so it, that may be and, and, that may be three quarters and that of a dog, mile. Yeah, that dog could just book it out of the country, and it might pass some raccoons on the way just to get out and get away from everything. Right. So it's hmm. it, the first time I was out West and I was in, uh, Arizona and the guys all, we were bear hunting and they said, Oh, we're going to go up here and we're going to free cast dogs. And I'm thinking, well, this is my game, you know, uh, line them up. We'll cut them loose down through here. And we get to the top of this overlook, this big Valley running down through there. And we're going to hunt through this six miles of drainage there and uh, drop down in there. And they're like, okay, we're going to bring them up here and we're going to free cast them. And I'm thinking, Indiana coon hunt, line them up, boys, get ready, cut them loose. And I cut mine loose, and they take off and bust into the brush, and they cut their dogs loose, and they're walking around. And then they walk them all the way through there. I said, what are we doing? (laughs) What are you you guys doing? I said, why don't we let the dogs go down there and hunt this whole area out? And and when they – we'll be able to hear them strike a track, and we'll be able to hear them get treed or see which direction they're going. It's like, no, we walk them through here. I'm like, dude, this isn't how we free cast dogs in Indiana. But I wasn't in Indiana. It was still a good experience. I'm not cutting it short. Yeah. 
I had, and that's the thing I too. Had a it similar... was very. Go ahead. I was Lauren. Say, I Go had ahead. a similar experience in New Mexico when I was up in the uh, Sierra Blancas, and it was the first time I had free casted on big game up there. And it's like, well, you better get your walking shoes on because you walk your dogs, and all the rest of the dogs stayed like relatively close, and mine had no idea, and they're just like gone. Yeah, in in my world, you want to hunt like we did with Dean. I mean, you want to keep them close and walk with them and then let them bust up a, a hair right next to you because nothing will make you more angry than when you have a good pack of dogs that are sticking close and you have one dog that's like 400 yards out that jumps a jackrabbit 400 yards away or whatever. Even if she she jumps, a, I say she because Calypso, I just... Even if they jump a jackrabbit like a hundred yards away from you, that your pack has to gain that one hundred yards diff difference while that hare and that other dog are running at full steam away. So you want your dogs close together to work as a team. And I'm not speaking for the pig dogs; I'm just speaking for my world there. But yeah, I, I, the, um, the thought of just like letting them go running into the night—that's that's pretty crazy. <laughs> I don't know if I'd be cool with that, but. It's like it only works on raccoons and that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I was just, man, I I really am. I'm grinning ear to ear because it was it was an incredible experience. I I love to go out with someone who's who's a master of their craft like that. And it was just uh, that's what I've always said. It's so cool to go around when you see people. I mean, you just know it when you look at them and you see how they interact with their dogs and the way they handle themselves like at a bay up. There's so many things that you you know when you're in the presence of a houndsman. You know, you just do. You look at them and you're like, man, they make it look effortless. Yeah, yeah. And now, wh- I knew when I showed up to his house, there was a mountain of pig bones in his backyard from where he feeds his dogs <laughs> pigs. And I was like, this dude's catching pigs. All right, yeah. we're going to see some get caught. And Michael was like, this guy's super legit. We're going to catch some pigs. And I was like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, I think so. my first hog experience should be something like that versus like, here, Lauren, go follow these dogs into this swamp and <laughs> just be our entertainment. <laughs> you would definitely be entertainment in the marsh. That would be, yeah, it'd be crazy. You're entertainment anywhere you go, Lauren. Yeah. <laughs> it's chaotic enough, just, you know. And it, I don't even, that the problem is, that I don't even try. It's just, you have to just laugh at me because chaos follows me or I run into chaos or, you know, I I live with it and I I'll own it. Yeah. I'm going to give a quick shout out to the beagle guys too. Cause I traveled this all on the Patreon. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Don't I want to, I got something else to say. You said something about knives and about how effective killing knives with knives were. And a lot of people, uh, sometimes I think they look at that and they think that's barbaric, you know, to, to yeah. kill hogs with knives. But the hogs that, I mean, I have, over my lifetime growing up in rural Indiana, uh, you know, we've butchered a lot of hogs. And we've always done it with a rifle, you know, to to dispatch the hog with a rifle. I'm telling you right now, the hogs that I've seen killed with a knife die much quicker much cleaner i mean it is instantaneous and over it's it's so fast in the video my first one i i stabbed my first pig 
I even audibly said that. I was like, whoa, that is so effective. And the key is to have a good, good blade, razor sharp and, oh, yeah. and long. Yeah, you can't have these little tiny weenie things. This we're, we, I stabbed a 210 pound boar. Like, you know, this thing was about 13 inches long. Unbelievably effective. Like right. I couldn't, it is, it's incredibly humane. Like, I mean, the pig is unconscious in seconds from the blood pressure drop. So when so, we take, yeah. when we take these guys on these freedom hunters hunts, we try, I try to run them through everything and give them, cause there has to be some kind of, um, you gotta have a, a, a safety briefing, you know, the safety meeting before you go out. Yeah. There. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, animal. this last freedom hunters deal, we had this hog caught and, uh, we walk in there and, got it caught by the back legs and got it anchored and uh, turn around and this, this, our, our veterans walking through the marsh with this knife already out. And he's like 10 or 15 yards away. And Larry had his back to him and turned around. He's like, Whoa, you know, but just thinking about that in a hazardous situation, it's like your mom telling you not to run with scissors. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like, come on, guys. You know, there's no reason to have you. You don't have to unsheath the sword when you jump out of the boat. <laughs> you know, we've got time yeah. here. Uh, don't run don't, with scissors don't and don't don't go through the marsh with your boar sword. <laughs> <laughs> so there is some etiquette there, but yeah. So, um, go ahead, Seth. Talk about your talk about your rabbit hunting. This is a Seth Hall show. Go ahead. No, no, I didn't want to make it long. <laughs> That's why I said quick shout out. There's a lot of beagle activity happening on the Facebook page right now on the Facebook group. Oh yeah. And I just wanted to Love I just to wanted to make it. a quick shout out that golly, that was such a good time. I've I've gone on about it, but beagle guys, they know what's up. That was so fun. So yeah, I just wanted to say that quickly that those little stumpy dogs can they can boogie and they can show you a great time. It's uh not they quite can, as a, they can free cast out. And get your rabbit. <laughs> Have you ever? Watched, I just love the way they sound. <laughs> Have you ever watched Becky Dwyer's videos with her beagles? Have you ever watched many? Oh, yeah, I gosh. watch them and I listen to that thing, and I'm like, holy moly! Like you, you get used to it after a while, but that thing can scream. Yeah. I loved it. <laughs> One of them sounded like a parrot in the woods, just like Rear! like I don't even. I'm not going to do it live. But oh, you need like, to. You no, no. <laughs> yeah, and and I was just like, yeah, it, they were a blast, man. It was so fun that I loved it because it was everything hunting. I, I've, I've, it was everything about hound hunting just on a tiny scale. Like yeah. the rabbits only run like a hundred yard loop, and right. there's rabbits everywhere. So yeah. it was just action, action, action. Very yeah. fun, yeah. very fun. So okay, I, <laughs> I talked about the episode that I like. We covered the Patreon stuff because I, you know, Seth, I think that was valuable what you captured for Patreon. Lauren, out of the last few episodes, um, which ones have you got takeaways for? Which episode? You're putting me in this on the spot, and you're acting like I've listened to everything, <laughs> which I actually have. Um, I am actually caught up, but do I remember the names of everything? <laughs> My brain always fails you, me. Um, okay, I'll just put you on the spot. What'd you think of the APA? I like the style of it. Um, I really enjoyed hearing like a bunch of different perspectives. It kind of felt like you were just sitting there, the fire's going, everybody's walking around, and um just it's just good to hear the 
the tried and true old, it's not old timey, but it is old timey. Just the tried and true knowledge there. Yeah. I really love that episode. Yeah. What a great idea. I love that concept of just getting a diverse opinion set with the same question, because you can really see the, the different ways that people look at a same situation. And what I also loved is that with all that experience, the answers were really similar. Yeah. You know, there was a lot of very similar, the, the core value was very, very similar. And the way that people verbalize their feelings towards what makes a great bear hound. Right. Is right. that was very valuable. I, it took a lot away from that, even though it, I've never chased a bear. You know, the thing about that APA breed days, I think it, uh, and I've talked to David Williams, the president of the organization, uh, about this after this event, I, I kind of had this deal after I was there, I looked around and I thought, you know, that where we are right now within a hundred miles of there, and I called it this a few times in the podcast, but it's like the cradle of civilization, civilization for the North American bear hunter. It really is. I mean, when you're talking about hunting with hounds, it all started right there in that, that region of Appalachia. And, uh, it's not just, so that was the cool thing about it. And so it's kind of like breed days is this gathering of legendary bear hunters. When I talk to my friends in the West, you know, like, like, uh, I'll give you an example. Um, James Brown talked about catching 90 bears in a year. Well, I know some experienced bear hunters from the West who contacted me and said, is that guy for real? They're really catching that many bears in a year. It's like, yeah, they do. He's like, we don't catch that many bears a year. He goes, that's like three years for us. That's so it's, crazy. <laughs> it's not, it's not so much that they're, you know, they're doing something more spectacular, but I mean, these guys are serious bear hunters and, and that's what they live for and they travel. But so you go to an event like this where you've got all this knowledge available to anybody that, I mean, you got Roy Clark and Ira Jones just walking through the crowd. I mean, it'd be like going, it, this is what it would be like. If you are a fan or you're a, um, an up and coming guitar player and you go to an event and here comes Ted Nugent walking through the crowd and he just stops and you just talk to him like it's every day or here's, you know, any, any of these guys that, that's what it's like for me when I go to APA breed days. So my thought was, I think as it being um, a plot event, I think a lot of times there may be some exclusion to other bear hunters because they feel like, oh, well, that's a plot event. No, that's a bear hunting event. I'm telling you right now. And yeah. you show up and, and you need – there. The blue tick guys don't have something like that. Walker guys don't have English guys. No other breed of dogs is hosting an event like breed days where you can just get together and talk about big game hunting with hounds. And we all need to converge on that thing and blow it up. It's a beautiful facility. I'm telling you, great, big, huge lodge cabins. Uh, it's a, it's a camp was what it is. It's a Christian camp. And then they, that weekend they converted into the, uh, big game hunting Mecca. And, uh, it's cool. I would Real love to cool. go there. I've, I was going to say, I've never chased a bear and, uh, I don't think I ever could with my mutts, but I would love to go and learn. That would be amazing. Yeah. So count me in next year. <laughs> yeah. 
so the the thing the reason when I set that one up like that was because um, I I really wanted to get hear diverse answers, but what I found was core principles are the same. It was strong strongly motivated towards you know I think Rodney Burris called it drive. Uh, Ira Jones said heart. I think Ray and James Brown talked about heart. But it's all drive, you know, that drive in the dog to be able to, to do that. And yeah, I, I really like one. Ba- it's one basic thing. It boils down to that. I also really like that there was every answer had that same. I like grit, but not too much grit. And and that was, I think, really an important thing that you learn from listening to good bear hound people is that they all say that same thing. And so that obviously must be super important. Uh, yeah. I, I just, every one of those guys were like, I like a tough dog, but smart. And yeah. I guess tough and dumb don't last and weak <laughs> and smart. Don't get up on that bear to put him in a tree is how I've kind of interpreted that. Well, it's like Roy but, said, he said, you know, a dog that you get hurt on the first day of season that misses the entire season. It isn't good. Good for you. I mean, it's going to happen regardless but if you're breeding for that much grit and that's the focal point of your breeding program, then you better be a good vet. You're going to have to have a lot of dogs. You're going to have to be a good vet yourself, or you're going to pay, have a job where you can afford to pay vet bills or you're Mm -hmm. like Lauren said, have a lot of dogs. So you're not sitting the season out. But I look at, I look at that kind of mindset as kind of a part of the whole hunter development thing that we've talked about before stages of hunter development you know nobody wants the dog that's a sissy you know that that's coming out of a bay running away from a bay but um as most of the experienced bear hunters i know went through that phase where they thought it was cool to have dogs that were suicidal gritty type dogs and then as they keep doing this over time they eventually learn that's that's not so cool. I want to yeah. know when these dogs are puppies, if, if they're, if they can see some kind of quality in that puppy, like you can see independence in a puppy and, and, a and a couple other things. Um, you can see drive in a puppy, mm-hmm. like even when it's eight, 12 weeks old, but when it comes to grit, is there something we can identify when we've got a litter that we're like this one too, too much. Don't no, no, no. This one's just right. You know, like Goldilocks. <laughs> I think the answers to that question are going to. I think the answers to that question are going to be answered here very shortly. We're not going to let the cat out of the bag, but uh, we've got some pretty cool stuff coming for Houndsman XP, and questions like that are going to be answered uh, regularly on the Houndsman XP podcast. But here's my experience from it, and this isn't spoiling what's coming up, but. Screening screening puppies is Mark Dufresne and Heath Hyatt talked about it in the episode that I recorded last year at uh, APA Breed Days, and you know putting like streamers on the fans uh, it, while they're while they're young puppies. You know you put that fan. I talked about it. The puppy comes out of the doghouse and just walks over and looks at the fan and the streamers blowing a man, they would just reach up and grab it and just shake it. You know, want to get in a tug of war with those streamers on this fan. Whereas you've got other puppies that look out of the dog house and it takes them a second before they've got to see something else grabbing a hold of it 
and thinking, oh, okay, that must not be killing him. So, I'll, oh, it looks fun. I'll go do it, do it too. And then you've got puppies that just won't come out of the doghouse. So you look at the boldness and as you develop these puppies, my experience has been as you develop these puppies and you watch them, then you can see which ones are bold. Like you take a, well, I'll use this, I'll use this Yog Terrier. That puppy is not afraid of anything, nothing. Um, but he's not suicidal, stupid either. Um, if I, I've thrown, he's got a high, high prey drive, high ball drive. I can retrieve or throw a retriever dummy anywhere and he's going after it. I mean, I don't care where you throw it. If it's under, in a dark place, you can throw it in the closet. He's, he's in there rooting around looking for it and things like that. That's all indications of driving a dog. Now here's a question and I know this is, I kind of know the answer, but I want to hear what you think. Uh, so a common way to decide if a dog has drive for uh, my world is to use a, a flirt pole, which is like a feather or a sock mm -hmm. or something on the end of a string yep. with a pole. I've had dog. I have two dogs that could not care less about a flirt pole, even when they were little tiny babies. And one of them Pronto is hands down my best rabbit catching dog how it's funny could you have made a false assumption about him as a puppy that he's not going to have a good mouth or he's not going to have good drive and maybe discounted that and then later down the road i mean pronto so, can catch the toughest of them you know yeah i i th i think you can i think you can make some false assumptions sometimes puppies all are develop at different rates um so <clears throat> i think well Puppies develop at different rates. We look at these things. If you're a European breeder, that puppy will never, uh, may never get the opportunity to reach that potential because they aren't going to pass that along or spend time training a dog like that. But yes, I think they're absolutely late bloomers that, that figure it out. But, you know, the, the flirt pole thing sounds very similar to you know, what we talked about, about cage coons. I've had dogs that, that had no interest in cage coons and they were turned into great phenomenal coon dogs. Hmm. So that's yep. a common, common thing that, that a well, lot and of, I've seen dogs interested in dogs interested in cage coon and turn out to be horrible coon dogs. Rigid Ridge is not interested in cage coons right now. I can say that. <laughs> he, he's interested in a, different kind of mammal he's got a different no, he's interested he's got, in, he's got he's got reproductive drive going on right now yeah <laughs> he's interested in caged beaver uh, that's what he's interested in <laughs> <laughs> well and i was learning it's been so rainy and gross out but i was like you know if i went hunting i think he could flip that switch off and go hunting just fine you um, probably should take him but and yeah and I know. burn off some of the off some of the steam but yeah, getting back mm -hmm. to the drive thing and puppies and things like that, it's, you look for those nuances. You got to look for those things that you see that you can work with. And, and I think a lot of successful houndsmen find like me, you know, I know what I like to see and I know what I've been successful with in the past. If you give me a different style puppy or, you know, if I, I'm probably not going to be successful with it. If it's, 
how much, how do I want to say this? If you brought me, if I have the chance to select the puppy that I want, there's a lot of things that go into that. Um, I've picked that puppy for a reason because something about that puppy attracts me to it. You know, I like the way it carries itself. I like its personality. I like its boldness. I like all these things. So I'm going to put more effort into developing that puppy. If you just drop me off 10 puppies here at the house and say you want great dogs out of all of them, there's going to be puppies in the yard that I don't like. And subconsciously, whether I like it or not, I'm not going to put the effort into that. So that's what's yeah. so cool about diversity among housemen because we can all make our own decisions and we can we can find our own style. Yeah, in a prior episode, you had talked about how a dog just wasn't working for you and you sent it down the road and it turned out to be a great dog for a different handler. And you've experienced that yourself, vice versa. I just sent and a puppy out of here that I he was showing great potential. Um, he was hunting good. He just had some weird quirks around the kennel that... I was like, life's too short. <laughs> you know, I do not want to, I do not want to put the effort into this. And the timing was immaculate because somebody else had contacted me looking for a dog. I was full disclosure on it, told him everything about it. I knew he was going to make a decent dog, but he wasn't going to make a decent dog here because I had had my fill or, you know, and knew that there was a lot of struggle ahead for me. Yeah. I hear can you. Can you, can, is it, when you're hunting a mix, I've always thought of this, when you're hunting like a big pack of dogs, if you, is it common to hunt a mixed gendered pack and not have many issues? I guess if, if a female is nowhere near her cycle, I guess it's probably not too big of a problem, but I've always kind of wondered that because I always hunt a small tight knit group that knows each other really well. So that's mm -hmm. never, I always think about that with big big groups of scent hounds. Is that a problem? Especially like a tree. I could imagine that being maybe a problem. I don't know. I'm just, I'm asking questions that I genuinely have no idea. So I'm going to ask. I mean, in Colorado, pro. we had tons and tons of dogs out, more dogs than I've ever seen in my entire life out on a hunt. Um, and there weren't any issues. Um, it's all how, what those dogs are used to and what the handlers will tolerate in the dog um and you know you you also can tell like behavior wise in your own pack before you put them in the big pack sure you sure. know if if a male's acting weird or if a female's you know starting to get a little bitchy or something like that so you make your decisions before that you know putting them in a big group of dogs um yeah i guess know your dogs yeah that's kind of what i expected i was just kind of curious to Hear it. What do you think? And, and I learned things about my dogs too when when they got into the that big pack. Um, you know, they're they're used to hunting with each other, and there was like a couple things like I just know I need to tie Ridge back when we're going to take a shot. So mm -hmm. stuff like that. Yeah, I think um, I think every animal, every animal has we all have a pecking order, you know, and, and dogs are able to sort that out pretty, the great dogs are, I mean, if you've got a dog that's focused on going and doing, doing its job, then it's going to go do its job. But I have seen situations where you mix packs and all of a sudden 
you've got drama, you know, of some mm. sort. And um, it, it's not it's not highly common because most houndsmen don't tolerate that sort of stuff. But at the same time, I also have the realistic expectation that I'm dealing with a dog, you know. So, uh, for I'll, I'll give you a good example. Uh, and I think we do a lot of this stuff on our own to our, to ourselves. Like my dog box is set up and my dogs ride in the driver's side of the dog box. Most, you know, almost all the time. Um, when I'm coon I've hunting, got too many dogs for that. <laughs> yeah. When I'm coon hunting and I'm just taking one dog, my dog's in the, in the, my side of the dog box, whoever's riding with me, their dog's in their side of the dog box. There's no sense in creating that that drama right there you know i think josh has said it before only two things are going to happen and neither one of them are good when you put dogs together either they're going to fight or they're going to become buddies most of the time you know and neither one has good results when when you're when you're doing competition coon hunting stuff now in big game hunting you know my dogs will be on both sides of the dog box but if i'm picking up somebody else that has dogs with them then all of my dogs go in there together on their side of the dog box. And we put mm -hmm. there, we just avoid it. Why, why put your dog in that situation? I, I'll give you an example. Um, and this is part of the reason why I prefer to drive my own rig because, um, if you don't, then you're kind of at the mercy of everybody else of where you can stick dogs and stuff. And somebody said, Oh yeah, just put, put, it was Diablo. Just put Diablo over on the passenger side. Well, this is a big, long dog box, and I didn't see, and I throw Diablo in there. Well, he's got a bulldog in that side, pit bull. And I'm like, it's not that I don't trust your pit bull, but I don't trust, I don't trust them together not knowing each other. So why, yeah. cre why create this situation if you can avoid exactly. it? Yeah, and I, I had never haul dogs together that don't know each other unless they've been out, well, that don't know each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's key. If yeah. they've been out in the field several times, I, I, I don't mind. But yeah, I'm with you on that man, one. I, I haul my pack I, together only. We hold we hauled dogs that didn't know each other in Colorado. Like I I show up, he's got his big dog box on the back of his whatever Dodge huge truck, and we just start throwing my dogs in and there is no problem. I'm not saying there couldn't have been a problem, but yeah, a lot, a lot know, of Western got, hunters have one one bay. Yep, you know. it was one bay, um, you know, multiple head holes and stuff. Um, but we had like ten or twelve dogs just back there, and you know, it's four in the morning. You just got to pile dogs in because you got to get somewhere. I'll tell you one um, place that I've seen <laughs> I've seen problems is when there aren't enough head holes, and then somebody's got to be the butt sniffer, especially if you've got uh, a dog. <laughs> especially if you've got a dog that's used to having, you know, when they're riding with in my truck and they've got a head hole like in my side by side. Boom, they get their heads out and the dogs enjoy doing that. My new dog box doesn't have head holes on it. It's all closed off uh, with with bars too close together. But uh, that's where I've seen problems at times is nobody wants to be the butt sniffer. So they're both trying to get their heads out of the hole. Yeah. I've seen that. You know what I I've thought was, was really cool though? Like it was like a vibe check kind of good vibe check. So we're at a tree and it's time to do the business and they have trained all their dogs you can just say hey like get back get back you know back off so the dogs come away from the tree off the tree and just 
keep treeing, but like very far away back by us. And my dogs just followed suit. They did it. And I was like, you know, I, I mean, I told them to do it, but they did it. And I never really taught them that, but they just read the energy and what everybody else was doing. And I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. That is awesome. That's cool. If you, if you listen to, um, like the various guys, he talked about the ability of a wolf to sit back and learn by watching. Dogs learn a lot by watching. Professional bird dog trainers will have big, long tie-outs with all their dogs, and they'll train each dog out in front of the rest of them. We used to do this when we were training police dogs. But when we were te teaching them certain things, we would let the other dogs watch. It's beneficial for them when they can watch. Well, they learn so much from even other dogs. Like when we have a, when I used to have a finder dog, they learned so much just by watching her body language when she was about to find a Jack, they yeah. got very fired up. And so it's, they are paying attention a lot more than we think. And yeah, they do copy. I mean, they are a pack animal. They, they copy each other, but yeah, that's, they're smarter than we think. That's for yep, sure. For sure. <laughs> and they pick up, they, they learn and they communicate that, in ways that we're still learning as handlers and houndsmen, you know, the, the nonverbal, the, you know, this ear set, the way that somebody, one of them carries a tail, you know, I mean, just, there's so many little bitty things that they do that we miss that the dog doesn't miss. They don't miss it. Oh, I'm, Let me I am learning so much about body language with me bringing in random new dogs to the kennel and that they don't always have the same vibe i've got to be on high alert and watch that body language and learn it yeah let me let me ask you something chris we, you've asked me you've asked lauren i'm gonna ask you tell me a high point of your season this year you've got to have a bunch you've been traveling a lot oh man i just kind of take it all in you know i i high point to my season um just some high had, points Man, I had a great time bear hunting with with Heath Hyatt and Forest Red in Virginia this year. Had a great time there. Met some super guys um, down towards Tazewell. Steve McBride, Scott McBride, hunting with Jacob Campbell. We had a great time on that. Uh, and there wasn't for for me. It wasn't anything that I don't. I don't mean to sound arrogant about this, I guess, but maybe hunting has started to take on a different value for me, uh, where the relationship part of it, I guess this is what I would tell houndsmen. Don't pass up the opportunity to build good relationships. It's Steve and Scott McBride were great. And, you know, I've got, got places to hunt over there anytime that I want. Uh, we had a wonderful time where we talk on, we communicate back and forth. Even now we're going to hunt together again this year. Jacob Campbell and I became a lot tighter, uh, as far as relationship wise. And that's cool. And, um, uh, for me, that was the highlight of the season was, was being able to travel around and, and get to know people. And I watch them and I learn things from them and I try to uh, absorb knowledge from them and how they operate. And sometimes you've got to be the person that 
imparts the knowledge, but you, you know, being a guest, then it puts you in a position where if you've got any manners at all, you don't, you don't impose, impose yourself on them. Mm -hmm. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was just cool. You know, that whole group that hunts with Heath over there, Wesley Wood, Woodyard and, and, uh, Paul and, and I mean, just all of them, all of them are, were great dudes. And, and that was a fun thing for me this season was, was being able to go around and like, I'll give you an example. So I was hunting like three days and coming home for four days. I'd hunt three days straight and then pull out of there, come home, take care of things around the house to catch up on Houndsman XP business, all that stuff. And then, you know, I would send, send somebody in the group text where we hunt today. And so they'd say, Hey, we're hunting here. And so once I got to that area, I would just get on the radio and say, where are we at? Where are you at? And, you know, I just fall in and, and figure out where I needed to be. And that, that was kind of cool being able to, to be involved at that level with, with, uh, different houndsmen from different areas. That was, that was the most rewarding thing for me. You have moved in your stage of hunter progression towards the end where <laughs> it's not towards the end. Mentor. Hunter <laughs> development. Thank you. I'm Lauren. not towards the no, end. No, for real though. Yeah. Yeah. But you've done, you've done all the experiences and now to you, it's, it's, it's being part of that network. It's part of being, it's part of sharing those experiences with other people that have had a life journey similar to yeah. yourself and people that are new. Part of it is. And just, he's still open to doing things a different way too. Yeah. I do like, I do like seeing the different way, different ways people do things. And, di and a lot of it's regional, you know, that's one thing that's really cool is it's regional because, you know, when I'm hunting West, uh, it's, uh, me and the person I'm hunting with a lot of times on this huge range and we won't even pass another bear hunter. You know, it's just us and our dogs on the mountain hunting. If you go East to Appalachia, then they hunt in big groups. There's big hunting groups and there's, there's a whole code of conduct within the hunting group, you know, of, of how to interact and, and different things. So as a guest, you just kind of sit back and watch the dynamic of all of it play out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of cool. I've been bear hunting one time and that's how it was for me, man. I, we were alone out there. There was nobody else and yeah. it was pretty cool. I mean, I love New Mexico for that, you know, yeah, it's so remote. But that part of Western hunting, I really like, you know, uh, if, if yeah, I do like that more so than the big groups, but the cool thing about the big groups is you got more draggers, <laughs> you got more help to, you know, if, if, uh, you lose a dog, I mean, if you lose a dog in, in, in the mountains, in the Appalachia, you know, in Appalachia, man, you're on the radio, everybody's got your codes or what your numbers are helping. I've seen, I've seen guys walk in to get other people's dogs for them. Uh, you know, just nonstop working together. Whereas if you're in the West, man, you better, you better be willing to just pull up your boots, you know, lace up your boots and get in there. Cause there ain't anybody around to give you a hand. So there's a huge shout out there too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, I saw it when I was out there. We lost a dog for 24 hours. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. And that's what I was talking to the guy I was hunting with. I was like, what happens when they run into the wilderness 
he's like, we're going. <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. That, I mean, that's what I was hoping you'd say, but yeah, when they run 12 miles into a no roads area, you're like, yeah, oh, okay. Here yeah. We go. After, yeah. After looking for 12 hours, it was like desperation at that point. And, but you talk about, you talk about like hunter development stuff. Uh, maybe it's just that I've gotten to the, the point where I realized that dragging bears out, you know, is work is the work part of hunting. And, uh, you That's know, the young kids. Yeah. So, <laughs> but you still do your part. And so, uh, maybe that's why body counts aren't as important to me anymore. You know, as far as we all like to kill bear though. We do. It's fun. Lauren, what about you? What's a highlight of your season, girl? Well, I've never killed a bear, so I'm still waiting on that. <laughs> um, I don't know when I will either. Like I'll know when I'm ready for it and, and I'll be excited, you know, to have it all come together and do that. But it's not on my, like, man, I got to kill a bear. Like, it's just not about that for me. Um, it'll be really cool when I do. Um, you want to know a shocker that probably shock our audience too. I've never, I've never killed a raccoon. No, no, that I've never, (laughs) I've never killed a bear. Oh, I've never killed a bear. It's every time I've been in that situation, it's either been a tree and free or it's been a deal where, um, we've got somebody else there, you know, we've got somebody and you don't live in a state with bear tags either. Right. So, but even at that, you know, if I'm, that's just, that's never been, I've only killed one mountain lion, all the mountain lions that I've trees I've been to and stuff only killed one. Um, but there's always somebody else there that that has more desire to kill a bear than I do. So I let them do it, you know, and I don't know how many bears we killed this fall. And um, I've just never been in that situation. Now, I thought I was going to this fall. I had a bay up on the ground and I was ready to kill one, but it climbed a tree. It was a good bear, but I was in there by myself and I thought, I'm going to kill this bear. And then everybody's going to have to quit what they're doing and come here and help get this bear out because I can't drag <laughs> mm-hmm. it out of this hole. And you were myself. all alone. Yeah. yeah I was yeah. by myself. And, uh, so the dogs had this is a pretty good, pretty good, uh, boar. Probably, I don't know, probably 180 to 200 pound boar, uh, backed up against a tree and, and Cajun Diablo and that crazy pup that I shipped down the road. Uh, had this bear bait up and I walked in there and he's just sitting on his butt looking around and I'm thinking, okay, well this, this is might get Western here pretty quick. But as <laughs> soon as he saw me, he's, you know, he scurried up a tree. So then he's out of the way and I'm like, well, I'm not, uh, there's no reason for me to kill this bear. Yeah. That, that is the upside the to hunting. That's the upside to hunting a eight pound animal. <laughs> yeah. I'm never not in the mood to drag a jackrabbit out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. highlight to my season um like as far as like fall to the end of raccoon season in february like which which season are we talking about i mean well we talked about colorado already that was i mean that was a phenomenal um i think that stands alone on its own um but we'll talk like coon season highlight of my coon season um was getting river started and seeing her tree her first raccoon and and get in on a bay up and um just I hunted pretty hard and it was pretty cool. 
You uh-huh. want to talk about a puppy with a box of rocks in her head. When she came to my house, Lauren brought River when she first got her to my house. Every time Lauren let her out of that camper, she'd run right up to my fence and get mauled <laughs> by my greyhounds every yeah. single time. <laughs> and I was like, what is this puppy doing? <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, and then uh, she uh, well, she learned really quick, I guess, only <laughs> with my dogs is I think she must have got in my by Cedar when Cedar was eating. And remember when she got that gash like on the side of her snoot? Yeah. And Cedar just got her. Um, it hasn't happened since. Um, <laughs> but I think I think she's finally getting some brains to her. It's slow. She's kind of a slower starting dog. Um, I didn't get her interested in raccoon till she was like eight months old. She wanted nothing to do with it before that. Um, and the rest of them were... That is not slower starting. Well, the rest of them were faster starting than that. We'll just put it... Like, yeah. I've been I've been blessed with Maggie, Piper, Ridge, and Cedar. Like, they all just took it right away and were just naturals. And yeah, no, eight months isn't slow starting. But, not at all. Um, I was worried. That's a whole different podcast topic. <laughs> yeah, I was worried, though, but it finally clicked. Um, and uh, I don't know. I'm just... Be bopping around, seeing what'll happen next. I don't I don't even know what the future holds for this year. Don't yeah. know my plans. I guess I'm, it's not it's it's relevant because my season's coming to an end and now my my yeah. rest time starts. So I, I just extrapolate that to everybody else. I'm like, how'd your season go? And everyone's like, it's still going. <laughs> but, <laughs> Mine's like it ended a long time ago. Yeah. Um yeah. I mean, like field trial season is starting. If I wanted to get into competition coon hunting, that's really starting up again. Um, uh, Fleshing season has started. So I've got like 40 raccoons in my freezer that I've got to flesh. Oh, your guys' (laughs) face is what I'm talking about. That Oh, my gosh. So that is one thing I am not looking forward to is taking yeah. care of all of those raccoons and then paying the tannery bill. And everybody listening to this is like, why the heck is she doing that? Why is she going through with this? Like hides aren't worth anything. Like they're just raccoons. Like who cares? Like girl, you crazy. Well, I have, I have ambitions and <laughs> yeah. I think yeah, it's no, really it's cool. Yeah. I think everybody, cool use... everybody should do it. I mean, yeah. yeah. At some point in their life. And it just yeah. kind of, I was thinking about it yesterday, actually. Um, Cause I was reading something about when the prices were high or watching a video or whatever. And it's like, man, it's kind of a shame. I didn't get into this just a little bit earlier, you know, in 2014 when the hides were like, you know, here and I could have maybe had awesome dogs at that point and been able to at least buy like, I don't know, a year of dog food. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hey, let's know. get this. I, I f- How, let's get this one wrapped up guys. We've, we've about hit the, yeah. Uh, Yep. So hair milk says yeah. he's going to have to jet soon. That's <laughs> that's, that's my that's that's my that's handle. Milk. I've got to go name. tame the beast outside. That is the Rigimal. Yep. <laughs> Rigimal. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey. we, we had a crowd. We, we had a crowd cast with with our friendship Kosher, and he was trying to say dog milk was richer than hair milk, and I was like, "Are you crazy? You're crazy, son." Nah. That explosive growth. It's got to be fueled with rich milk. Anyway, (laughs) listen to the crowdcast. Chris, take it away, brother. Hey, I don't. Why don't you get? Why don't you close it out, Seth? Oh, well, I mean, (laughs) that's not. I thought you. 
I thought you were going to have something profound to say, but I'm just going to keep it short and simple. You guys, I always love talking to you guys and uh, you guys, I'm just going to do a shameless plug here. You guys, we talked a lot about stuff that's on the Patreon page. So if you want to check that out, you can go to patreon.com search up in the top right search bar for houndsman XP. You can also just go to our website, houndsmanxp.com, and you can find Patreon there. There's all kinds of cool bonus material. I'm posting videos from all these hunts I'm going on, from the beagles to the pigs. And uh, every week we're posting bonus mini podcasts, you guys. And I'm interviewing awesome guests and um, fans of the show who reach out to me. And I love to talk to you guys. I mean, to me, the greatest reward for working for Houndsman XP, besides meeting Lauren, is <laughs> is uh <laughs> is meeting the fans hanging out with you guys like uh going and traveling and 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 getting to see all kinds of cool stuff all over the country that i didn't think would ever be possible so uh that stuff's on the patreon page and uh yeah i just wanted to i do want to say that and so thanks everyone for that and well before we it looks like then we're not done yet because i gotta i gotta i do have some profound things to say longest wrap up ever yeah so yeah, no, we got we got <laughs> we got to come back to this. So the reason you need to join us on Patreon is because, for one thing, it supports this show. Um, yeah. The other reason is, is we've got some really cool stuff coming for prizes. We've been working hard to get those prizes pulled together. We've got, um, I think, the Patreon drawing is the next Patreon drawing. This will be this week. And uh, next, we're next away. Tuesday, next Tuesday, the 12th, it'll be at the 12th, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Yeah. So this will be coming out on the 11th. And uh, oh. yep. So we're going to do it on the 11th. So tomorrow night, we will be giving away a Whitaker Brothers Garmin holster. And you saw a short video on my profile of this Garmin holster. And I did it no justice, but it is. I mean, the highest quality, highest quality leather work that you can find. I mean, it's beautiful. Josh Whitaker, I'm not sure if Jason does leather work too. I just, because I haven't talked to him about it, but I know Josh does. I mean, he's got a pair of mountain lion chaps that he made that are unbelievable. Um, but yeah, so Whitaker Brothers, and then we've got Insta Privy. We've got new sponsors, a couple new sponsor shout outs. One is Cajun Lights. Cajun Lights is coming on board, so they'll be providing some, uh, some lights for giveaways. Um, Old South Dog Boxes, we've got a $500 gift card coming for our annual drawing for $500 off of a custom built dog box. And, um, you know, so why do you join us on Patreon? Because we will pay it back. Yeah. Wow. Thank you, Chris. Be, besides <laughs> all of the well besides said. all of the the donation stuff. And are we gonna talk about Insta Privy and we right now we can, but uh uh, yeah, let, I think Seth needs me. to do his own show on it. Uh, no doubt. <laughs> I'm gonna, no doubt. I'm gonna I'm gonna make I'm some waiting. ads coming up for Insta Privy because that's a product that was built for us antelope and rabbit hunters. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, I'll, I'll go ahead and close it out then. All right, that that'll do it for this episode of the Houndsman XP podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. Find us on Patreon. It's on our website. Hit the support button at houndsmanxp.com. 
and you can find us on Patreon. Until next time, you follow your hounds, and I'll follow mine.